In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. The show everyone's been waiting for. There's been people contacting me now for three months asking when we're going to cover this show. It's day three of the tight ends. I, I actually had to go buy a charger. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even believe the number of text messages that I was just getting saying, Hey, like, I can't wait. Like it burned my battery. I'm like, come on guys. Like, give me a break here. I'm only one man. Well, we're finally here, but we're actually going to ask you to wait one little bit longer. We're going to chat about a guy that has been everywhere. Justina Anderson has been teasing us. A little bit of cheekiness there. Um, And that is Jadavion Clowney. He's coming back for a second visit. There's been issues with the travel. But quite frankly, if you're coming back from a second visit, this is 95% done. There's no way. Here's my question. It's 2021 and our owner has a private jet. How the travel, that to me sounds like uh, he may have missed a flight. There may have been a text message that wasn't like, hey, we have the... like, come on, Jadavian Clowney is a, is, a, is a relatively wealthy individual in terms of his contracts. Like, I feel like it was a miscommunication rather than, a, oh, we couldn't set the, we got people, that's their job. Hey, Jadavian, flight's going to be at six o'clock. Make sure you're on it. It is probably the source of screwed up in leaking stuff to Nissanis. And that Sanis. would be my theory. They text Anna, him, oh, I thought I was going tonight. You're not going until Tuesday, buddy. I thought it was tonight. You sure? Yeah, it's Tuesday. We already have it all booked up. So yeah, I fully, I agree. I think he's coming here. We've had this hunch for a little while. I think it makes sense. I think that people need to understand, by the way, and Jack, rightfully so, I appreciate what you did earlier, correcting the record from Mr. Reuter about the draft picks. Cause I heard uh, Brent Sobolewski say it as well in Cleveland Browns daily last week. Yes, we are bringing in draft picks, but in the same sense, when you bring in draft picks, Guys have to leave. So, Jack, I don't know if you want to really quick go on the numbers. The Browns are not going to have to chew up all of this rollover cap to sign Clowney. Yeah, so basically for every one you sign during the offseason, you only account for the top 51 players. You don't account for 90 players on the roster because else everyone would be over. Um, so what happens is you sign someone um, and that pushes someone off the bottom. It might not even push someone off the bottom because the cheapest player we've got at the moment is 850000 if you sign someone under 850000 well, we don't even have to account for them on the salary cap. So to add all nine picks, and quite frankly, we're not going to add all nine picks. We take the values they're going to earn, and then we minus off nine lots of 850. So you're actually left with 1.2 million is the net spend to sign all these draft picks. So it's, it's nothing in the grand scheme of it. So all this talk of, oh, it's going to cost eight, nine million. No, it's, it's nonsense. Clowney's deal. Let's go with the numbers Mary Kay threw out and said, oh, it'll be about six and a half million. I think she's talking about the base and sort of guarantee part of the salary there. Um, and let's say it's three and a half million then on 
games um it's basically incentives tied to the amount of games he plays um the sacks um maybe some other stats maybe if the browns make the playoffs the browns make the super bowl and i i reckon whatever the final deal is some numbers will come out when it's signed and they'll say oh it's 10 million it's say 10 million and then we actually see oh well half a million of that a million that's tied to browns win the super bowl so and the browns are smart for doing that because Clowney hasn't been able to stay healthy so you have to make it an incentive thing because if you're going to give him this money you can't have what you have in tennessee where you have a couple games and then he sits out and and i completely understand i think you're 100 right i've the writing's been on the wall for this like i say again he needs the browns more than they need him it kind of made sense you saw what they were pursuing you're not going to go out and pay 12 million for Trey Hendrickson, but if Clowney's going to come in for right around that 10, 10 million a year, you're not paying Garrett the big money. I think it just makes sense. And I think it's a big piece because ultimately we talk about this and we'll get a further down the line of it. Clowney's going to remove snaps from miles Garrett, which I don't have a problem with. So that's another show, but yeah, Clowney once maybe it happens on Wednesday, we'll do a Clowney show, but yeah, for the most part, Jack, I know you have one thing you want to add. Yeah. Just looking at as per game sort of, data according to P- per snap data according to pff so in 2018 he was 11th out of over 100, 104 2019 he was 19 out of 104 and in 2020 he was 19th out of 109 edge defenders so the guy has produced is he a standout edge one like miles garrett that you go got this guy he's amazing no is he potentially if the best edge two in the nfl if you had him he is that good that you could go right out of all the number two edges on the entire roster in the NFL. Is he the best second edge if we sign him? Yeah. Jack, it's real simple. Miles Garrett, number one pick. Shadavian Clowney, number one pick. I mean, you'd have two pass rushers on each side that were former number one overall pick. Number one D end, number one overall pick. Clowney has that potential. The question is, can he stay healthy? And being Robin to Miles Garrett's Batman is going to sue well for him. If you don't believe me, go watch what happened when he was Robin in Texas with the Texans when JJ Watt was having careers. He was mopping it up over there. So, anyways, you know what I'm excited to talk about? Kenny Yaboa. That's the guy that we really want to talk about. No, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you like my transition? I'm just quick. Head of yourself. We've got to start at 110 first. Uh, pick 110. We do not have a single tight end. <laughs> <laughs> mocked in that range. So now we've got Kenny Yaboa at one. To be fair, if you're talking 110, if the Browns, because we ha- listen, we have to cover all angles here. You know, here at the Paul Brown podcast, we like to cover everything. If say a Tommy Tremble or a Hunter Long is there at 110, like Harrison Bryant, a lot of people remember he got taken in the fourth round, not because it just because they had him graded so much higher than where it was. So if the Browns do take it one at 110, it's going to be one of the guys we've already talked about who have fallen. So the door isn't closed. It's just open in a different lot. Boom. Boom. Kenny Yaboa. This is time to shine. No interest in him. <laughs> I, I, he's an athlete. I mean, I know a lot of people talking about athletic, him. Though. That's what I'm saying. He's more of an athlete than he is anything. I mean, aside from like a wide receiver uh, combo, you know, the, we're not going to talk about Jacob Harris, but like, I mean, he's okay. Uh, I don't know. He's a move guy. Can't really block. I, I look at a lot of things here and I go, no, thanks. Kenny Yaboa. Right next, we've got undersized too to me. One dude potentially at the one six nine pick, and that is Trey McKitty. And we don't have a relative athletic score. 
And it's also going to be a pass for me. See, here's, I'll disagree on this one as a uh, guy who's connected with the IMG Academy program down in Florida. Uh, I can just tell you, McKinney, here, here's the thing. He's a development guy. So we are talking back half, right? So McKinney, 6'4", 246. Um, he's a little bit under your 23 age threshold. So that's nice. But this guy, he at least makes his weight coming out of the University of Georgia as a blocker. So he he's still developing as a receiver, but at least he's physical in terms of his blocking. So that's the one trait that I'll talk about with him is at least if he can come in, you can put him on a special team set as an outside blocker. And we're not worried about it because we have a couple pass catching tight ends. So if this is a guy who you see the potential that he could become a receiver down the road, he's a guy you'd bring in late in the draft because he can contribute day one, or he has a trait in his blocking that you like. Yeah, actually, he fared did quite well in 2020, so uh, probably That's, a little harsh on him. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you're you're a little you're a little harsh. But again, we're not talking. Again, I remind people, these are not guys that are coming in day one. We're just talking about guys that can come in and at least potentially make the roster. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's what we're talking about it now. I'm gonna I'm gonna clear off three dudes at 211. Um, Kellen Granson, pensioner. Um, Nick Eubanks is he's, he's beyond a pensioner 24.7 week one of the season my god get it he's, he's probably older than Tony Romo by now um, and then Quinton Morris is the third um, I can't say I'm that excited about any of them um, not bad athletic profiles but um, I'm happy to pass there's three dudes left that I'm excited about but I'll let you chat about some people before I, I go into them well, if we're going to talk a little bit here about traits, right? And I think that's kind of the the, the theme of the day three, so to say. Um, I think John Bates, kid out of Boise State, he's old as well. Six foot five, 250 pounds. Um, this guy, again, not, not really the pass catching type of threat that you're talking about, but this is a guy who can come off the line. He kind of reminds me, honestly, of a Darren Fells. If I'm really trying to give him an NFL comp, I think he's physical at the point. This is a guy who on day one can contribute in special teams. He did that a little bit of Boise state running alongside my guy, Avery Williams. Um, But yeah, so John Bates is a guy that I do like Um, another one out of Virginia, uh, Tony Poljan, who is a six foot six, 250 pounder. Like I said, from Virginia started his career at central Michigan. Again, Still, he, he's new to tight end, but this guy has better hands and he's physical on the line of scrimmage. He just is a raw block of moldy clay that I know you're going to roll him off because he's already 24 years old. You age discriminating Brit you, but he's a guy at least I think can come in and compete for a roster spot. And I think there's one guy that fell on my three long shots and yours. So do you want to talk about him now or do you want to move to your RAS guys? You go for someone else before I go for my three. um, Well, one of my guys is one of your three. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my three big babies out there then. So um, here's three dudes, and uh, they're all a little bit old. I'll start with that first. All tight ends are old. Got 23.2. We've got 23.6 and a 23.8. So it's a little bit naughty, but at 257, we're willing to take some risks here. The reason why I'm excited about these guys is because we've got a really Really? Really? Briley Moore? Briley Moore. 9.02 relative athletic score. We've got a Zach Davidson, 8.79, and a Luke Farrell, 
8.62. So that is some raw athleticism. And if I want someone that's going to get me excited, come in and I feel really good about their special teams production, but I think they've got a future that next season they can step up and be tight end three. And and to be fair, that that's not that high a bar. Um, we were asking them, hey, can you step up and be tight end three next year? Because Harrison Bryant is going to be number two. Um, if that's the goal, then it's perfectly achievable. Um, and, and I think yeah, you can chase the athleticism there because if it doesn't work out, you just come. Well, because they might not even make it out of camp. We're at the stage now where we're going to rely solely on uh, Mr. Brugler's uh, summary of some of these guys because Zach Davidson was actually the guy that I flagged as well. So he's on the double. And many of you will understand why. So Zach Davidson is a six foot, six and a half kid out of central Missouri, 245 pounds on the day of the draft will be 22.79. So that's why Jack added a little bit because we got to get to the first uh, day of the season. So central Missouri didn't even play last year because they canceled the entire fall season, but here's what they say about Davidson. Overall, Davidson has splashy tape with his raw athleticism and receiving skills, but he needs a patient coaching staff willing to invest in his development. He projects as a draft and stash tight end and backup punter baby yes you need an emergency punter zach davidson's your guy and at six foot six and a half that would be the biggest damn punter i've ever seen in my life so zach davidson yes i can understand if you're talking about as he calls a draft and stash tight end as for briley moore we're talking about a kid six foot four 240 pounds at the ripe age of 23 and three quarters on the first day of the season the summary on briley Overall, Moore needs additional technique work, but he has the athleticism and toughness to be a functional move blocker and pass catching H back in the NHL, NHL, NFL. Sorry, I have a little NHL on the brain. And last but not least, the man, the myth, the legend of Ohio State, Mr. Luke Farrell. So Luke Farrell, this kid is six foot five, 251 pounds out of Perry, Ohio. He will be close to 24 by the time the season starts with a summary of Farrell is a gritty assignment sound blocker like that, but his acceleration and playmaking skills are non-threatening. He projects as an NFL rotational Y tight end. So many of you may not remember this, but Ohio state always kind of churns out these tight ends that you don't hear much about in the NFL. So they stick around, they've been around a while, but yeah, I think Luke Farrell is a guy that, could be a priority free agent type of thing. So that's one of the ones you're looking at there, maybe down the road. So, yeah. So sort of the question we've asked of each position as we've gone through it, um, I don't think we did it with Edge actually, is what sort of that pick you like? Um, what if, if you're going, hey, what's the best value? It's not so what's the best tight end? Oh, I would love kit, uh, pits at 26. It's, well, I would. It, it could be someone anywhere where you're like, that's something I like. Obviously, I think we both agree that if Tremble or Long are there at 110, then that could be a really, really nice pick for the Browns. Yeah, and there's a couple of guys that we're just going to watch, right? And we're going to see where they end up going. So if all of a sudden maybe a Friar Muth or one of these guys kind of falls a little bit, listen, everybody becomes more attractive the further down the draft you get it. And we talked a little bit about the the money. I mean, who's to say the, the Browns don't trade out of 26 and go into the second round. And we're almost talking about a net wash. I mean, if they're taking two seconds instead of a first, you're talking about a completely different cap game. So at the end of the day, it's one of those things where 
guys will become more interesting later on in this. And, you know, we'll probably be keeping everybody up to speed during the draft and, you know, who the guys we like are, who the guys that are falling a little bit, you know, to be fair, I don't really like the, the direction that most of the Browns mock drafts are going. You know, I know that Pete Smith and I had a back and forth regarding Joseph Asai at 26. I just, I don't see the athleticism and I made the, the, the comparison that most of Asai ultimately led me in a interesting thing where people were trying to say that I was comparing Joseph Asai, the athlete to Carl Nassib, the athlete. And it's not that, but I don't want Joseph Asai at 26 at 59. He's a lot more interesting to me. Right. So that's what we're talking about with these tight ends. Right. If all of a sudden, as he said, Tommy trembles on the board at 110. Now now I'm very interested in him, you know, and if Zach Davidson, the backup punter slash stash tight end is there at 26, well, maybe I'm interested in taking him. Do you mean two five seven rather than twenty six? No, I was saying that to make sure you were still paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I I think one of them three could be a really interesting punt there um, that you can bring in and uh, let them battle with Carlson. Um, but it, it it's going to be an interesting one where I I think yeah that one ten. I mean these keep an eye on it um, for one of them two or because um, I don't think it's unreasonable for one of them to still be on the board at one ten. Don't think it's likely, but I could see it happening. Whereas, yeah, you you wait until day three. I don't think it's one where I would like to have had the class where you could jump on someone early um, and go, we like this guy and say the third, fourth, fifth round. But I just can't see the players there. So interesting one to keep an eye on. Have you got any last words before we wrap up? Obviously, pick 257 has to be Avery Williams. There's no other exceptions to the rule. But I think we, we do want to talk a little bit, and it'll be coming here. We talked a little bit of the first round. You posted that tweet about what it would take to move up a couple spots. I think that opens up the door for a lot of interesting conversations. So we'll have to talk about that as well down the road. Now, we've got some stuff planned. We will be doing some mock drafts at some point. Um, I sent Ian's sort of a show sheet um, and Paul for how we get from here until the draft. Um, yeah, in but, the interim, we're just going to keep tearing apart your mock drafts because it's fun to do. It's, it's all good fun. So uh, offensive tackles next and then linebackers. So um, they're the next four days packed in. Um, Before you tweet us all your hate stuff, yes, the offensive tackle will be starting in day two as well. The Browns will not be taking an offensive tackle in day one. Yes. And we're going to start the same thing in linebackers because it's not happening. No, I'm not doing it. Even Stephen, if the Browns decide Stephen to do it, Collins. I'm not. Well, I'm maybe, not. They, maybe they take the linebacker JOK. Oh, you, huh? I mean the safety. Yeah, we've already discussed him on the show. Just gonna say <laughs> Good stuff. Most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns.